Welcome to Grace to All. I'm your host, Paul Gray. You've probably used the word grace, sang Amazing Grace, or said grace at a meal. But did you know that God's grace is way better than we can even imagine, and that you and all people already have an abundant supply of God's unlimited amazing grace? Today, we're going to hear the truth about God's amazing grace to all people. So, sit back, relax, and prepare to be inspired and awakened to the amazing treasures that you already possess. This is truth that you can handle. Hello once again, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Grace to All with Paul Gray. And I want to say right up front, this is a continuation of a week ago when I interviewed for the first time my new friend, Rob Decker. And if you didn't hear that one, I would strongly encourage you just to turn this off and go back and listen to last week's and then listen to this week. And you'll know why uh, when you do that. Rob has an amazing, amazing story, which he told the beginning of last week, of being in a very tough place. The tragedy that happened because of that, attempted suicide, thinking he would never walk again, uh, having charges pressed against him, thinking he was going to jail. God delivering him through that when he actually just started his relationship with Jesus. And then uh, where we left off last week, Rob had forgiven the young lady who had falsely led to the suicide and pressed charges against him for rape, battery, murder, whatever. And then he reconnected with his mom and was in the process of healing with them where he left off last week. So I'm going to say, Rob, thank you for being back with another session and start us off with the forgiveness of the young lady and then uh, reconnecting and rebuilding your relationship with your mom. Yeah, absolutely. And I just want to say that the accusation and the charges that came up against me that led to me jumping out of the window, just know that for me, that was more of like the perfect storm of events because ultimately there was a lifelong struggle inside of me that wanted to die and thought about suicide quite often. And a lot of my drug and alcohol abuse was very... (laughs) Um, I ran to that in the hopes of eventually that I wouldn't wake up in this life. But yes, as far as the healing goes, you know, I had to forgive the young lady for those charges. And that's just something that had to happen in order for me to start healing. My mom, same thing. You know, I I realized that there was some real healing that needed to take place in our relationship. And so, you know, being with my mom, you know, I could look at her and understand what she came out of herself. And I was able to forgive her. And that really that forgiveness allowed me to really start healing in my relationship with her and my understanding of her. Now, I mean, it wasn't all puppy dogs and ice cream while I was there. Hmm. Because so my mom had her own stuff. And I just want to say this, like, my mom has been sober for I want to say close to three years now off all the drugs and the alcohol, but this was just what was taking place at the time. You know, she found the Lord as well. So, you know, she has a relationship. Yeah. So my mom, a few years ago, really just boom, you know, and and now she's sober and, and praising the Lord too. But at the time she had her own junk, right? And so what she would do was she would buy me alcohol so that she could take my pain medication because she, you know, she couldn't get drunk and go to work, but she can pop the pills and go to work and stuff like that. And so that was kind of the relationship we had in that house was she would eat the pills, you know, I would drink the alcohol, 
And I was always having to try to get more pills quicker because I still needed them for the pain myself. But that went on for a little while and I wasn't healing. I appreciated and I love my mom for bringing me in and my pops. Uh, my pops was my mom's boyfriend. He was from Louisiana, a real awesome brother, you know, and so I called him pops. You know, he was like a father figure to me, but he wasn't my dad. And, and so they allowed me into the house and stuff like that. You know, that environment was toxic and I wasn't getting better. So I had to get out of that environment. Well, I moved into another environment with some people that brought me in. And again, I still wasn't healing. So I had to go have another surgery. Doctors are just like, your bones aren't fusing together like they should. And, you know, I was exposed to cigarette smoke, marijuana smoke. I was drinking all the time. And so my body just couldn't do what it needed to do to heal. And I ended up having to have another surgery. Well, you know, at this point, this is my third open back surgery. And you're talking about, I mean, you've seen my x-ray. So half of my back is basically rods, screws, and cages. So they have to really like open you up. You know, I lost so much blood in the first two back surgeries that they constantly were giving me blood transfusions in the hospital, but my body wasn't taking the blood. It kept rejecting it. And it got so bad to the point that my veins were collapsing so that they would have to go try to find my veins in the hospital and like they'd have to search for it. and it hurt because you're you know yeah. they're taking a knee oh, yeah. yeah so I end up going back for this final surgery on my back right and you know you're signing waivers you're talking hey there's a good percentage that you will suffer major nerve damage paralysis you possibly mm-hmm. death like you know and you're signing <laughs> yeah but you know at this point I'm like let's do this again I'm trusting in the Lord. And so I end up having another back surgery. Well, this time I couldn't go back to either of the places that I was before. And so I was staying in a hotel and my best friend came to visit me and he just kind of wanted to see where I was at. You know, he, he'd seen a lot in my life. He, he knew a lot of the stuff that I'd been through and he knew my struggle with drugs and alcohol and he wanted to see where I was at. And he said, well, you know, why don't you stay at my house for a couple of nights? Well, that ended up turning out to be like a few years. Really? Um, yeah. <laughs> so I don't a know. Good friend. <laughs> well, he's a saint in my eyes. You know, he loved me and he took care of me. His whole family like really loved me and they took care of me since, you know, I was in high school. I, I mean, I'd known these guys since I was like 14, 15 years old and their family always treated me like I was their family. It's just that my struggle was I wanted to have my family be close to me and me close to them as well. Sure. You know, and I, that was my big struggle with my mom, my dad, and my sister, but they did their best. They loved me. And so my buddy brings me in and I start getting better in that house. And, and what happened was another buddy, he's like, Hey man, I know you used to be a personal trainer. Can you show me some stuff at the gym? I'm like, sure. You know, so he takes me to the gym and I'm going, I'm showing him how to execute some exercises. And I touch the weights myself. And all of a sudden, I hear, this is what you need to be doing. And I start lifting, like I'm lifting the weight. I'm like, I need to be going to the gym. And all of a sudden, like now I'm in the gym and I'm starting to work out again. And when I jumped out of that window, I was about 215 pounds of like solid muscle. In the first three weeks in the hospital, I dropped down to 165. So my body... Yeah, my body atrophied. I mean, I had a very high metabolism, right? Because I had so much muscle mass, but now they're pumping so much medication in me and I can't eat because I'm in so much pain. I just didn't eat for almost three weeks and I lost all this weight. So 
here I am and I'm, you know, I'm going to see my neurosurgeon and he's looking at me and he's like, you know, what's going on with you? And I'm putting on size again. I'm putting on muscle again. You know, things are starting to take off for me and I'm getting strong and the Lord presses on my heart. He's like, you know, Rob, you need to go out into this world and you need to share. You need to share some stuff. You need to share your experiences with people. So at this point, I'm on this mission to get as healthy as possible, even though I'm still struggling with alcohol. I'm struggling with alcohol, but you know, I'm getting off all the pain medication and I'm praying about this. I'm like, you know, Lord, I need you to get me off the alcohol. I need you to get me off the pain meds. Well, the alcohol was still there. The pain meds, I started off with about six different pain medications. And all of a sudden, one after the other, they start to drop off. They drop off. Like I'm eating better. I'm working out. I'm moving. I'm riding my bike everywhere. Like I'm getting in shape again. This was not supposed to happen. And after about the third year or so, and I was living in my buddy's garage, you know, I was staying in his garage and all of a sudden God presses on my heart. You're going to go get a job. You're going to get off a disability. And he used my buddy to help encourage that situation a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) My buddy's like, Hey buddy, you know, you look like you're doing okay in life. Like go get a job. Right. (laughs) So the Lord used that man really a lot in my life. So, you know, I was living on, and if you know anything about disability, it's like, you can't really live off a disability. So I get a job at this gym and at this gym, I meet this young lady and the young lady is roommates with my boss. So my boss tells this young lady, Hey, I need you to go work with Rob. Let me give me feedback on what kind of personal trainer he is. Right. So her and I hit it off and we become friends and we start dating (laughs) because that's what you do after you break your back and you walk back into the world. You like, go get yourself a girlfriend. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm skipping out a lot of the story, but I want to give you like the awesome stuff. So her and I start dating and, and it's crazy because shortly after her and I start seeing each other, we both lose our jobs there. And I just felt like, you know, that was the Lord. That was the Lord bringing a good woman into my life. And I had told her, you know, I drink. I'm still on some pain medication. I have all this debt. I have this legal trouble, you know, all this stuff. And this young 21-year-old woman who's about to graduate college, like hasn't even really started life here. I'm 32 years old and like I've jumped out of windows. I'm addicted to drugs and alcohol. Like, you know, I just found Jesus, just got back to working out again and stuff like that, you know, and, you know, she embraces me and, and she's just like, you know what, we work on it together, which was extremely mature of such a young woman, because that's a lot of baggage. That's a lot of baggage to carry on. Just to give you the heads up, I married that woman and now we have two beautiful kids. <laughs> that's how awesome she is. And, and that was such a gift. But when we first started dating, I remember we went out on our first date and I bought a pitcher of beer. And, you know, like I said, I'm still struggling with the alcohol. It's still like medication for me. And I get this pitcher of beer and she looks at me and she goes, I don't like that. And I'm like, okay, Lord, this is what you're going to do. <laughs> you're going to use a girl. You're going to use a lady to get me <laughs> off the alcohol. Like, this is what we're doing. <laughs> right. And I'm like, hey, don't worry about it. It's all for me anyway. You know, and actually, this is just my warm up because <laughs> I plan on knocking back two pitchers, you know. And she's just, you know, I don't like that. And I just knew, I know, I knew she was from the Lord. I knew that this, she was, you know, the Lord was going to use her to help me get off something I'd been praying about. It was, I struggled with the alcohol. I'd been drinking it since I was 15. I'd been using it for medication for such a long time. You know, the moment I'd get bored, I'd go drink. Like it was a substitute for not dealing with my thoughts. And and nine months into our relationship, we're dating. Alyssa graduates college. You know, she starts this new job. 
Well, I just get my license back. So she's letting me drive her car while I'm going to help a friend move. And while I'm over there, I'm drinking and I go to the liquor store, I buy a bottle and I take off to go pick her up from work. Well, I was so intoxicated that I never made it to her work. I ended up crashing into someone's property. I went into the hill somewhere, just veered off and just ran into someone's property. And I remember leaving the scene of the crime and running through a creek and getting all scratched up. And I ended up hiding under a house. And here I am after the Lord has given me a a nice young woman, given me the ability to walk and work out again, has taken me off all these pain medications after uh, Liz and I lost those jobs, I ended up finding a job that was so much better where I was a manager. I made a lot of money. I was really good at what I did. And I'm over here under the house like, man, all the wonderful stuff that you've done for me, God. And I'm still, I'm still messing with the alcohol. And I hear the sirens. You know, the cops are looking for me. They're trying to track me on my cell phone. And I'm pleading with the Lord. I said, you know, God, uh, you're a just God and, and you don't have to bail me out of this situation. I deserve to lose Alyssa. I deserve to lose my job. I deserve to lose my freedom. It's what I deserve. You know, I asked for it. And this is when you start negotiating with the Lord, right? <laughs> 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 but I'll make you a deal, right? <laughs> yeah. The price is right. And uh, I asked him, I said, you know, Lord, if you bail me out of this situation and this is your will for my life, I will leave my good paying job. I'll move to... Alyssa wanted to go back home to Southern California. We were living in Northern California. I will move to Southern California with Alyssa. I will marry Alyssa. Again, this all has to be your will. And I'll never touch the alcohol again. I just ask that you bail me out of this situation. About four or five in the morning, I hear get up and go. I'm like, okay. So I get up and I start, well, I have no idea where I'm at. This runner runs past me. I try to ask her where, where I'm at. She just ignores me. I turn the corner and I recognize where I'm at. They're doing construction on this school. So I go over to the school and I start talking to this gentleman. And I'm like, obviously I've had a rough night, man. And I need you to call me a taxi so I can go home to see my girlfriend. And he lets me sit in his truck and get warm. And, and he's just like, okay, go over to the police station. The taxi is going to pick you up there. And I'm not even thinking about it. I'm like, I'm super excited. I'm going home. <laughs> and I get to the police station and Again, I look really messed up, man. I look like, you know, I'm scratched up. I'm wet. I look like I had a long night. If you smell my breath, I'm sure it was pretty disastrous. And I'm asking police officers like, hey, does anyone have a a phone charger so I can call my girlfriend? And, you know, they're just, no, man, no, no. And in that moment, if any one of them had run my name, I would have been finished, right? If anyone had checked me, I would have been finished. But no one did. Taxi picks me up, boom, go. Long story short, with all the events that had taken place that night, the police tried to track me down. GPS on my phone, but for whatever reason, the cell phone towers, it wouldn't happen. I go to that police station. I could have got arrested. When they found the alcohol, the alcohol was actually in Tupperware in the trunk. Like somehow, some way, the alcohol ended up in the trunk. It wasn't floating. So I can't really get in trouble for much because I'm I'm sober when I show up and there was no alcohol floating around the car and no one got hurt. And I ended up doing a few days of community service. And, and I thank the Lord so much that I have not drinking a drop of alcohol ever since. And, and it's not just keeping that commitment and that promise to him for bailing me out. It's he actually used that situation to remove the desire to do so from my life. 
And I guess whatever it takes, it wasn't a fun experience. I don't wish it on anybody. I don't say, Hey, go get drunk, crash your girlfriend's car and just hope that God relieves you from being an alcoholic, right? Like not the approach that any of us should take, but that was my situation. And that was my relationship with God. And that's what he used. And so I haven't been back to that sense. And that's been almost seven years in January. I'll be seven years sober and God lifted that off me. So while we're in Southern California, we get married, we have our honeymoon, come out to Colorado, fall in love with it, realize that we need to live here. We go back home, have our first son, and then pay off a bunch of debt. And then we made it back out here to Colorado. And I thought we were just moving to a beautiful place. And that's what I thought. But what I realized when I got here was that Colorado Springs per capita has more teen male suicides than anywhere else. Then you have the big drug problem, right? And so here I am, a guy that struggled with suicide my whole life, drugs and alcohol, put it, being put in a realm where it's extremely intense. And so I'm like, okay, God, well, you're going to use me here. And so a long time ago, the Lord spoke into my heart and said that you are going to use fitness to heal people. I was working out one day and I left the gym and I was listening to some rancid music. And in the midst of that music, he said, in the midst of the chaos, I will always be there for you. And you're going to use fitness to heal others. And so this had to now come to fruition because that always stuck with me. So I'm here in Colorado Springs and I'm like, okay, well, we're going to use fitness as a tool to help people because it helped me. I had to get back in shape and it went alongside of my faith ran with my fitness. You know, it's both of them. It's a journey and there's a lot to learn in both of those things. And they both take time when you want real results. Right. And so I've now created kingdom fit and the fit F I T stands for faith and training. And the cool story about that was I asked the Lord one day, what are we going to name this gym? And he said, we already named it two years after I broke my back. I went to a winter camp for the youth And a pastor was speaking a word over me. And he said, the Lord is going to give you a kingdom like he gave Joseph a kingdom. And if you remember the story of Joseph, he was accused of rape. Yeah. Very interesting that he would use Joseph of all people, right? He -hmm. also said that you have a spirit of Philip, you know, and Philip was one of the very first evangelists for Mm -hmm. Christianity, right? Here I am now podcasting, going on stage, sharing my story as much as possible so kingdom fit. So the Lord's like, Hey, we've named your gym. And I said, okay, kingdom fit it is. And so we've started here in my house, my garage and my basement are the gym. And I'm going in a couple of days to check out a space that has basically been donated to me until my gym gets up and running. And so the point of kingdom fit is to continue to reach a community of struggling people that are hurting And there are going to be times where I train people that just care about being strong physically, but ultimately the long-term goal is to create this community of people that fellowship together and will find God within that building and to be able to forgive and release a lot of the stuff, the brokenness from their past based on my relationship with them and who Christ is. And I pray that that spreads like wildfire here in the Springs. Rob, you have the most amazing story. And guys, I'm going to use the term the sweetest spirit. You guys don't like always like to be called sweet. But man, I hope we can spend some time together. I hope I can come to the Springs, which I love anyway. Yeah. And see 
you and Kingdom Fit and Alyssa and uh, meet your kids. And my gosh, what a wonderful thing God has done with your story, which is his story. And now you get to help people and he's guiding you to do it. And I'm so excited for you and your family and for the people that you're helping. And so as we get ready to finish up here again, tell people how they can connect with you, how they can support you, how they can further your ministry, what people can do. Yeah, absolutely. Again, if you go to robdeckerspeaks.com, you know, you can reach out to me through there, but there's actually areas in where you can donate money to the ministry and the ministry really, the money goes to like, equipment for the house and the building. And and what we do with the old equipment is we want to give it to other people that are up and coming. Because I actually know a few individuals out here that are faith-driven and they use fitness in a similar fashion that I do. And a goal is to kind of pass all that equipment down. And so I mean, you're helping with those kind of things. You know, it's not meant to be used to pay my mortgage or anything like that. It's really used to build the kingdom. And so if it's on your heart to donate, you know, um, my whole gym was built on donations, the construction on my house, the insulation, the drywall, the work, all the equipment, the carpet, all the work, the time, the energy was actually all donated to me. Thousands and thousands of dollars donated. And now this space that we're about to get has been donated as well. And so we've been thriving off donations. It's the goodness of other people and they see what we're doing here. And that's how they help out. So if that's on your heart, you know, we would appreciate it a whole bunch. So robdeckerspeaks.com. Yes. And you're obviously from that, you can be found on Facebook, Instagram. And uh, I encourage everybody who's listening to uh, check Rob out. And I can't imagine that you wouldn't after hearing his story and hearing his heart for helping people and his heart for the Lord. And Rob, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us these two episodes. Absolutely. Thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for bringing me on. I really do appreciate it. My pleasure. We'll do it again, I hope. And so I want to thank everybody for listening to another episode of Grace to All with Paul Gray, and I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Grace to All. For more about us, how we can serve you, and our special guest, please visit www.gracewithpaulgray.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and to join our Facebook group, Grace to All, where you'll be inspired and awakened to more truth that you can handle.